As I look out across the congregation tonight, it reminds me when I was in my first church, I uh, was going to have a revival, and so I asked my cousin, Brother Jerry Whitman, to come and lead revival, first revival there, and so a uh, pastor at Holmesville Baptist Church, and so he came and did revival, and so the first night of revival, I told the story about him, and I told the story how he was surrendered to the ministry. And on his first night, he was going to get to preach. He came to church and got set up to preach that first sermon he was ever going to do. And he was up on the stage, and one man showed up finally at 7 o'clock, sat out on the back row. Brother Jerry kept looking at his watch, looking at his watch. Nobody else showed up. So about 7.08, he said, I walked back to the back and just asked the man, I said, you know, this is my first sermon to preach tonight, and you're the only one here. Why don't we just pray? And and going home. And so Brother Jerry, he said, I don't know much, but one thing I do know is cows. And if I had a whole herd of cows, I'd load up my truck with hay, and I'd go out in the pasture, and I'd feed them. He said, all right, I get the point. So he came back up on the stage and opened up his Bible, got his sermon out, and he preached for an hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> so just overwhelmed and excited by the occasion, and he had prayer, and he said amen. And as he said amen, the man on the back was getting up to go out, and he said, wait, hold on just a minute. He said, why don't you just kind of tell me what you thought about it? This is my very first sermon. Why don't you just tell me something about it? He said, well, Brother Jerry, I don't know a whole lot, but one thing I know is cows. And if I had a whole herd of cows, I'd load up my truck with hay, and I'd go out there in the pasture, and I'd feed them. And if only one cow showed up, I'd feed him, but I wouldn't dump the whole load on him. <laughs> so... <laughs> I'll try not to dump the whole load on you tonight. <laughs> but nevertheless, here we go. We're in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, where we start, and we're just kind of telling the story of Jesus and the birth and a part on Sunday morning and a part on Sunday night. We'll do this through uh, Christmas Day. So tonight we'll look at Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and ask, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we come to worship him. And so several things we need to make sure we understand here. First of all, it says, after Jesus is born. Not on that night, not on that day, but after he's born. A period of time has gone by since the birth of Jesus. And we're going to see more about how we know that in just a moment. But after Jesus is born in Bethlehem, here comes these magi from the east, uh, around Babylon, more than likely, and they're called magi. That uh, also means magicians, but they were astronomers. They were astrologers. They read the stars. They did horoscopes and all that sort of thing. And so they did a lot of reading, did a lot of research. They were interested in knowing all things about all things, scientifically and otherwise. And so they had understood some things about Judaism and understood some things about uh, the, the stars and, and the alignment of stars and understood some things about uh, Christ, uh, Judaism with the scriptures, uh, what we call the Old Testament scriptures, the law. And so they were following scripture and prophecy, and they understood about some things, not all of it, but some things. And so they saw that star, and so they followed the star, and they come to King Herod there in Jerusalem, not in Bethlehem, but in Jerusalem, and asked the king, said, well, where is this king of the Jews? Where is this one that's born king of the Jews? We saw a star, we followed it. However long it took, months, maybe even a couple of years to get there. 
And we've come to worship him. We, we know about this. We've researched it. We're here now to worship this newborn king of the Jews. Well, when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. King Herod had been king of Israel from about 37 B.C. to 4 B.C. at the time when Jesus was born. And so he was not a descendant of David. He was not in that lineage of David. He had come to the throne by his own power. He was actually a descendant of Esau. He was part of the Edomites. And so not a lot of the Jewish people liked him anyway. But nevertheless, he knew that he was not rightfully in the descendant of Judaism, the king that should have been on David's throne. And so when he heard this about, wait a minute, the king of the Jews has been born? Mm, I'm in trouble because I shouldn't right, I'm not rightfully the king. And so now if we've got rightfully the king, I'm in trouble. And so we need to do something about this. So he began to put a lot of thought to it real quick. So he was disturbed, all Jerusalem with him. So when he called together all the people's chief priests, the teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ, the Messiah, was to be born. And so he needed some help here. He needed some research from these scholars about prophecy of this uh, uh, king of the Jews, about this Messiah, this Christ. Uh, I need to know some information. So he called his, his advisors in. Y'all tell me, where is he to be born? When? What? Where? You know, need some facts here. Well, they knew very quickly when they began to ask the question, well, in Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Uh, they went to the prophet Micah, uh, Micah chapter 5, verse 2 is where they went to. And it says there, But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you, Bethlehem, will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And so they told him the scripture there out of Micah. And so this is what the prophet said. Out of Bethlehem is where the Messiah, the Christ, is going to be born. The king of Jews is going to be born. Well, then Herod has this information, so he calls the Magi secretly, gets back with them, okay, y'all are dismissed, and so let me get the Magi back in here. <clears throat> and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. So he had to go back in time. When y'all were in Babylon, when did y'all start your journey? When did you start this vision of the stars and the alignments and all this? When did this begin? And they began to tell him that we don't know exactly how long, what kind of time frame, so, but they began to tell him, we saw the star in the east, we packed up, we began to move east because we kept following the star, saw where it was, and now it's not there because they're still asking well, where's the babe to be born because the star's not there right now when he's talking to the king. But they're saying, here's where our journey took us from, took us to, here's the time frame, and now here we are. So he sent them to Bethlehem because now he knows where the baby's being born uh, based on the prophet from uh, prophecy from Micah, as he had been told and instructed by the scholars. And so he sent them to Bethlehem. He said, the babe, the Christ, the Messiah, is going to be born in Bethlehem. So you go there. You make a careful search for the child when you find him. Uh, come back to me, report to me, hey, we found him. He lives on Main Street, corner of Main Street, you know, and, and wherever it was. And as soon as you find him, report back to me so that I, King Herod, I can go to worship him too. Uh, because he's the new king, and I should be bowing down to the new king, the, the one to take my place, the one coming behind me, the Messiah, the Christ. I need to be able to worship him too, so make sure when you find him, you come back and tell me, okay, uh, guys? Well, <clears throat> after they heard the king, they went on their way. Okay, let's go do this. And wait a minute. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. 
And so now the star's back there, back in the, the sky again, and now it's showing them exactly where it was, where the baby was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. So here they are uh, on the path again, on the road again. Bethlehem's only about seven miles from Jerusalem, so it didn't take them very long to find out. And a lot of times modern-day historians and modern-day astronomers and astrologers will say things about the star. Well, when Jupiter and Saturn and Mars all line up exactly, that would have been the star Bethlehem, and you get this line, and you get this star, and you get special things, and and it's wrong. This was simply a star that God created to go to the place exactly over the house. It's not like Saturn, Jupiter, and Mars are thousands upon thousands upon thousands of miles out in the space, and so this star was over the house. This, this star was there. It wasn't something out in space. It was right there. It went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And now here we have verse 11. On coming to the house. And so that's how we know from verse 1, where it says after Jesus was born, and now coming to the house, if you recall the story about when Jesus was born, he wasn't born in a house. He was born in a, a manger. And now they're at a house. They're living in a house. They've come out of the manger, and now they're living in a house. So it wasn't the night he was born. It wasn't the day he was born. Some time has gone by. Instead of going back to Nazareth, where they had come from, Joseph and Mary, they stayed in Bethlehem, partly because their family had a problem. Because Mary was pregnant before they were actually married as husband and wife. Yes, they were in that betrothed period. They were in that pledge period. But it's before they came together as husband and wife. And so she, they knew she was pregnant. And so part of it, probably they stayed in Bethlehem and said, Look, if we go back home, <laughs> I'm going to have a problem with my parents. And you're going to have a problem with your parents. And you know how our friends are going to talk. And you know all this stuff's going to be going on. And it's going to be all over Facebook and all over Twitter. And who knows what's going to be right, what's going to be wrong. And... There's going to be false information and fake news and all that stuff going around. We'll just stay in Bethlehem. And so they did. And so they're in a house. And so when they saw the child with his mother Mary, and so they also used the word child here. Matthew's now changed the word to child rather than baby. So some time has gone by. He's not an infant baby a day old or you know two days old anymore. He's now considered a child, which could have been as much as two years old, or 18 months, or somewhere in that time frame. So on coming to the house where they lived, saw the child, more than a baby, with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And so nevertheless, he's perhaps two years old, or 18 months old by now, living in a house, mother and uh, father, and they bowed down and worshipped him because that's what they came here to do. They came seeking the king of the Jews. Well, they opened the treasures and presented him with the gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And this is where we typically get the idea or the thought in our head that there were only three magi or three wise men. It never says there were three. It just says they opened their gifts. And so they had three gifts, but there could have been 25 magi. There could have been 25 wise men. There could have been 25 of these men traveling together, and they had three gifts because that's what they wanted to bring. But it never says there were three men. There were never, never said, we just assume it based on the three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so whenever you see the, um, 
nativity scenes here and there, wherever, or you hear people talk about it, usually you see three wise men with three camels and three gifts. Not necessarily correct. Usually you also see with the nativity scenes the three wise men with the three camels and the three gifts there at the manger scene presenting their gifts, bowing down to him. Didn't happen that way. And so not trying to distort you know, what we do at Christmas or anything like that. I'm just trying to say, here's what the Bible says. And through years of centuries of, you know, traditions and how we put things together, we've come up with, they were there at the birth. It was three of them, three camels, three men, three gifts. But it wasn't necessarily that way based on what the Scripture says here. So just wanted you to know that. And also we try to make a lot out of the gold, incense, and myrrh about... uh you know, what they were used gold for, what they were used incense for, for, and the myrrh for his death, incense for his birth, and gold for the uh, royalty. Doesn't mean that either necessarily. It might, but it doesn't. It doesn't have any significance with all that. And so just what they had as gifts that they could present to the Christ child, to the king of the Jews, and that's what they did. Well, verse 12 then, on having been warned in a dream, so God spoke to them again. See, it was God that led them there to start with. But now God is still dealing with these guys, whoever many it was, 3 to 25 or 48, we don't know. Uh, but having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. So God told them, don't go back to Herod. He said he wanted the word on where he was so he could come and worship him. But fellas, don't go back to him because he's really lying to you. He doesn't want to come and worship him. He wants to find out where he is so he can come and kill him. How do we know? I left all this out, but here's part of that load that's on the back of the wagon that where all the cows come, they get the whole load. If only one comes, they get part of the load. But here's a little bit more of the load, okay? There's more than one here tonight. So uh, after they heard that, um, so when they'd gone, so they, they returned to their country by another route. So when they'd gone, oh, this is verse 13, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, okay, Jesus' father. And he said to Joseph, get up, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Get out of Israel, go to Egypt, don't go back to Nazareth, don't go somewhere else, leave the country, go to Egypt, stay there until I tell you. Just stay there until I tell you that you can come back. Why? For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. Again, using the word child here, not the baby, not this one-day-old baby but somewhere between 18 months and two years old probably, uh, get out of here. Herod's going to be looking for him to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, left for Egypt where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I'll call my son. Some more prophecy concerning Jesus. Well, when Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. I told those guys, come back and tell me. They have left town without telling me where. I'm mad, I'm upset, I'm furious, I've been outwitted by these guys. So here's what he did. He gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity, the surrounding area, who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. There again we have more evidence that we're not talking about a baby born in a manger on that day. He wants to get two-year-olds and under because of the timeline from the time they saw the star, left Babylon to come here, took some time, 
He said, in order to cover all of my bases and make sure I've got everything like it should be, we'll go two-year-olds and under. So he sent out a decree across Bethlehem and the surrounding area. Any baby that you find that's Jewish, that's two years old and less, kill them. Do away with them. That way you're going to get this boy, Jesus. Well, then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning. Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because there are no more. Rachel was considered to be the mother of Israel because mate, uh, Rachel was uh, the wife of Jacob. Remember Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, Jacob was uh, wanted her first. Remember when he went to find the wife and found Rachel and said, I'll work for my father-in-law seven years and I'll get Rachel. And on seven years, he'd worked it seven years, going to get Rachel, waiting night. He didn't get Rachel. He got her sister, Leah. Found out the next morning, got the wrong girl. So he said, hey, you tricked me. Well, work seven more years and you can have Rachel. Okay, I'll do that. And so he wound up getting Rachel, got Leah, got uh, Leah's servant, got Rachel's servant, all became wives. And so Rachel was his love, though. And she later in life had, not later in life, but she after the other ladies had children, Rachel had two children. All right, a little trivia now, so hold on. What two children born to Rachel, uh, Jacob's sons, did Rachel have? All right, Joseph and Benjamin, the last two children of Jacob's. Joseph being next to the last, Benjamin being last. Joseph, you remember, was the one taken captive down to Egypt and all that by his brother, sold as a slave, you know, all that sort of thing. And so out of that, but Rachel had died for all of that. Rachel died having Benjamin, and uh, she never knew the rest of that story. But nevertheless, she's considered the mother of Israel because of Joseph and uh, Benjamin there. But they had returned another route, and so as a result, Herod killed all the boys in Bethlehem and under, and um, made sure that he got the two-year-olds and under so he could get Jesus. So here's the last question then. Today, <clears throat> where's the one that's been born king of the Jews? I should be able to say right here in my heart. It's not in a manger somewhere. It's not in a house in Bethlehem somewhere. It's not down in Egypt somewhere hiding. It's not back up in Nazareth as it's growing up. It's not in Jerusalem uh, on the days that he was getting started, it's not, you know, should be right here in our heart. Yeah, he's in heaven too, of course, but through the Holy Spirit, he's right here in our heart. So they were looking for the King of the Jews. Where is he? We want to worship him. We don't want to praise him. We want to honor him. We want to give our gifts to him. We still do the same thing today, don't we, with the King of the Jews? Right here in our heart. We have accepted him. We have received him. And now we give him gifts too. Not Gold, not frankincense, not myrrh, but ourself, our life. Jesus, here's the best I've got to offer, and it's me. I give you me, the best I have and the most I have. Here's me as I worship you and praise you for who you are. Let's pray.